Hey all, it's your co-host Nick here with Psychedelic Passage, and I want to share what our organization does and how we can help you on your psychedelic healing journey. We originally started Psychedelic Passage to give folks access to psychedelic therapy within the comfort of their own home. And in the process, we realized that most people have no idea what they're looking for in a guide and they don't know which providers are qualified. The consequences of sitting with an unqualified provider are dire. There are lots of self-proclaimed facilitators out there who simply don't know what they're doing. And unfortunately, facilitator abuse and ethical violations happen regularly in this space and result in lasting psychological impacts. To solve this, we selectively curated a network of providers all over the U.S. who operate with integrity. This allows us to help you as a client by advocating for you and your care without a conflict of interest, screening facilitators on your behalf to ensure they know what they're doing, and holding facilitators accountable for their actions, so you have peace of mind that the provider you're matched with is in good standing. Instead of searching through hundreds of unvetted online provider profiles, you can simply book a call with us and our concierge team will take into account over 20 different variables to get you matched to a trusted facilitator who can provide treatment in the comfort of your own home. We want to give you the confidence that you're sitting with the right provider for you. No matter where you're at in the psychedelic therapy journey, we're here to help. Simply click the link in the show description below to book a consult and get connected to a trusted provider today. Welcome to the Psychedelic Passage Podcast. My name is Jimmy Wynn. I'm joined here by my co-host, Nick Levich. We have a follow-up episode for you all today. We've done a few episodes in the past around microdosing. We had one of our guests on the show, Casey Garrett, who runs Microdose for Healing, and that's a cohorted organization that supports folks through group and individual settings alongside longer microdosing containers, like six to eight months. And we've been getting some feedback from our community about more implementation conversations around microdosing, more actionable steps, more tangible things. I imagine there's a lot of folks out there who are curious about microdosing and then don't have a lot of input or information on the how-to. And so we'll aim at answering some of your questions today. And our episode really is an accompaniment around a microdosing primer that we've been putting out for free just for folks in our community through our website. And that talks a little bit through around the why, potential benefits, potential drawbacks, things to think about as you're deciding to microdose. But that's not today's episode. We'll be talking a little bit more about implementation. And so we we find that two will probably go hand in hand. Quite yeah, well. I, we'll link the um, the way to access the guide in the show description. And I think a lot of what we're going to do today is is like almost contextualizing the guide and and walking you through the step by step process of how to actually go about it. So we've chatted high level about what microdosing is, what to expect, how it works. But then the question still arises, like, how do I do it? What do I do? (laughs) Where where do I go from here? And so obviously the first step of microdosing is sourcing within your own risk tolerance. Some folks live in decriminalized areas. Some folks live in criminalized areas. 
Some folks have access to churches. Some folks have friends. Some folks grow their own. There's lots of different ways to come in contact with the medicine. Yeah, the main thing about sourcing, to me, it comes down to two parts. When I think about harm reduction in general around psychedelics and substances, one is that you're getting the product, medicine, psychedelic that you think you're getting, of which most of the time, for this, the purposes of this conversation, we'll be talking about microdosing psilocybin mushrooms. There may be a variety of different strains, different potencies, different things like that. There's actually a lot of exciting like development around this. There are now, you know, like test kits that can test the actual like quantitative potency of these things. There's we'll link we can link uh, to those tests in the show description as well. And basically, these are the first tests that are able to at home test psilocybin plant material, psilocybin containing plant material or fungal material. And that's been inaccessible to the average consumer. You know, you pretty much had to send samples off to a lab. So we can actually now, uh, with these tests, test the active amount of psilocybin in a batch of mushrooms. So they're called Q-tests. Historically, before, we could only detect the presence, whether it has psilocybin or psilocin or not. And that can help to a degree. But just knowing that mushrooms are organic fungal matter, likely depending, I mean, regardless of how you source, there's a much lower chance that these that this psychedelic compound will be adulterated or laced with anything most of the time people are not putting fentanyl strips on you know organic mushrooms you could if you want but you know what what we find that that's more important is that there's over you know there's several hundred different species of psilocybin containing mushrooms of which psilocybe cubensis is the main thing that you'll you'll find there and then even within there there's a variety of different potencies and things and so and i think the best way to explain this anecdotally is that uh the same microdose of golden teachers is going to be very different than the same microdose of a penis envy strain and so like my own personal experience if i try to microdose with penis envy it almost turns into a the microdose or turns into a macrodose um and so that's yeah. that's the benefit of those test kits is you can actually determine how much active ingredient is in your dried mushroom material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll link you, some stuff. Yeah, out, and what's there so for once, you all? Once you've got your material and you're certain that it is what you think it is, the next step is to prepare your dose. And some people will purchase material that's already dosed out and already in capsules, and that's okay too right? You can buy dried fruiting body in like a supplement bottle that's already in capsules and dosed out. That's a super convenient way to do it if you have access to that. If not, you can also make those capsules at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this leads to the other part. The part two that I wanted to talk about with sourcing is to be aware of all of the ingredients that are in your microdose. And so if you are working through a microdose supplier, or even if you are creating your own microdose capsules, some folks, and this will lead into our next point, which is talking about nootropic stacks and different supplements and combinations, right? In addition to psilocybin, but check the ingredients list, not only for your own allergies and sensitivities, but to be aware of the perceived effects. And so 
let's say your microdose has ashwagandha in there, then you know that there may be a calming therapeutic effect, which might or might not be attributed to the psilocybin. Right. It's hard to pinpoint what's causing it. Is it if it, are you in, feeling the increase of energy because of the yellow and black ginseng that's in your microdose, or is it because of the you know nootropic benefit of of the actual psilocybin? And so, just look at your ingredients list. Uh, my vote for folks who are just starting out with microdosing is the fewer the variables, the better. I agree. And then once you get into the nuanced effects, perceived effects, felt effects, then you can be like, okay, let me try around with with yeah. and experiment with different things. There's yeah. a couple that are somewhat more prevalent out there. The Stamets, Stamets protocol, you know, talk about like lion's mane, niacin, turkey tail, reishi, cordyceps, other functional mushrooms, other supplements and things. Choose your own adventure there. But I think starting off with one variable, which is likely psilocybin containing mushrooms, will help for you to get your baseline. Yeah. And to be clear, we personally both tried stacks, combinations, all kinds of stuff. At the end of the day, the psilocybin is the most important. I always go back to it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this one's got 200 milligrams of lion's mane and it's got niacin. It's got all this stuff. And I'm like, that you should just go back to just yeah i personally do like the lion's mane just for the neurocognitive benefits but beyond that i don't feel the need to add more personally but once again um you know you can experiment and choose i think the big message here is start with a baseline of just psilocybin and then you can start adding other stuff the other part about harm reduction is knowing your dosage so we'll we're not going to chat through a whole step on how to prepare your dose, though, as Nick alluded to, if you are getting dried fruiting body, most most folks are able to pulverize that down into a biomass and and measure those out into gelatin capsules, vegetable glycerin capsules, whatnot. This requires for you to know your quantities, and so have a scale. That milligram, is, milligram, yeah. milligram scale. You want it to at least go out three decimal points if you're talking about microdosing. So we're talking about tenths, hundreds, and thousands. Usually these are jeweler scales or very sensitive, you know, scales yeah. that maybe go out you're, 50, 100 grams, but you're going to be better off getting a scale and just know there's variance between scales as well. So sometimes folks will actually get two different scales so that they, yeah. can, you know, compare. Uh, I've been asked this before, so I'm going to make it super clear. Your at-home food weighing scale is not going to cut it. No. <laughs> yeah. That's grams uh, and ounces. We're talking about milligrams here. Yeah. <laughs> with, with psilocybin. So you you do need more of like a jewelry-oriented scale. They're like 20 bucks on Amazon. There's a couple different vendors. Just find a good reviewed one. And they'll often come with a a reference weight to make sure that it is, in fact, registering accurately. You and then it's to calibrate it. Yeah, exactly. And then as Jimmy mentioned, capsules are going to be important as just actually how to consume your dose. And then the question is, you know, how much of that dried fruiting body of the mushroom do you put in the capsule? And one thing to note here is that the active ingredient, the psilocybin, is distributed unevenly in mushrooms. And so that's why pulverizing is so important with microdosing. So either in a blender, food processor, coffee Coffee grinder, grinder. mortar, pestle, um, whatever you have available, I would get those down into a very, very fine powder. And then that powder 
is what you're going to end up filling the capsules with. And not just for the homogenizing that Nick is talking about, because there's different profiles, let's say, in a cap to the stem to the bottom of the cap, depending on the substrate. So the other thing, too, is that the more finely that you grind the mushroom, the more bioavailable it will be, the easier it will be for your body to digest and break down that that biomass there. So there's probably a lot of content out there around making capsules and micro, you know, all that stuff. So we'll leave that for the interwebs to answer for a lot of folks. But and once again, there's a bit more of a walkthrough in this in the guide that we referenced. So you also have that to look at. Yeah. So but your two primary options are you're working through a microdose source or you are making Making your own microdose. Yeah. Of which the this kind of feeds into our next topic, which is what are the increments and how do you measure out your dosage? And so I'll give some ranges real quick and I'll also give our ultimate caveat always that it depends. <laughs> but the standard microdose, I've seen folks as sensitive to about 25 milligrams, which is very low. That's crazy. Very, very low. But I'd say yeah. the lowest microdose is maybe 50 milligrams and probably ranges up to 250, 300 milligrams, even at that higher threshold. Now think about it, 250 milligrams is a quarter of a gram. And even at that higher threshold into 300, 350, 400, there's some folks who even need a half a gram or 500 milligrams. Usually those are folks who are have a high tolerance to just substances or things in general, or they have a history of being on psychotropic medications. So I've seen folks, if you have a history of psychotropic medications, again, it depends, number of years, types of medications, your frequency, all that. I've even seen folks who microdose ranging 500 to 800 milligrams, even higher. But for the purposes here, you're really probably working within a range between 50 to 250 milligrams. What do you think, Nick? Uh, Yeah, I think what I see most commonly... And once again, this is like average. It doesn't mean it's for everyone. But starting at that 100 milligram starting dose tends to be a good place for folks to get their bearings. And I want to be clear that when we're talking about milligrams here in this dosage discussion, we're talking about the dried fruiting body itself, the weight of the mushroom, not the amount of active ingredient. So I just want to make that super clear because... Uh, people can get very confused, right? Because when you reach the, read the Johns Hopkins study, they're talking about milligrams of actual psilocybin. Active yeah, they ingredient. take a concentration of the fungal matter and then concentrate it down into basically an extract. That way they can get really precise measurements on dosage of active psychoactive compounds. So uh, very this is, clear this is here. Different. We're, We're talking, talking about the entire biomass, all of the plant and fungal matter um, as it relates to the psilocybin contained. Exactly. Now, here's where the cool thing can come in. If you do use a Q-test and you can get a percentage, then you have another piece of data to be able to dial in. Like, okay, interesting. Like, this particular species of mushrooms, I was microdosing on this level, then I was feeling these perceived effects and then I got another batch which had a different potency and then you can have a, a some really cool data there. And one thing you may have heard Jimmy and I say either in podcast or in our on our blogs on our website is that 
for a lot of folks working towards ceremonial um, experiences, strain is not as important because you're dealing with such a high dose. But with microdosing, strain actually does play a pretty big role because we're dealing with such small amounts that those little micro adjustments are very perceptible. Yeah. Subtle and perceived effects for sure. Yeah. And we're talking about a 50th of, you know, an average ceremonial dose. Right. So we're talking about like very fraction. Yeah. Fractions. Yeah. But here's the thing about dosage is it's a little bit of a guess and check process. Most people that start microdosing, they don't know what their dosage, their ideal dosage is when they start this process. And so you kind of have to pick a starting point and then go up or down from there based on how you're feeling. So the way this would look in practice is if you know you're really sensitive to substances, maybe you start at 50 milligrams and just see. And then what I would suggest when you're finding your dose is giving yourself one to two days in between dosing to reset your tolerance and then try again. As you're playing with finding your dosage, you want to stick with the same strain, the same ground up biomass, because once again, changing too many variables makes it really hard to figure out what's uh, contributing to the different perceived effects Mm -hmm. yeah i want to circle back to something here uh one more thing in this conversation of dosage and then i want to i want to take what you just said and provide a little bit of context and parameters around it you also may be thinking about like what increments of capsules you might be you might need we're talking about kind of daily dosage when we're when nick is talking about starting at 100 because 100 milligrams because you have a good baseline to where you can go up and down. However, you may have a microdose supplier who you have an option of 50 milligram capsules or 100 milligram capsules, 250 milligram capsules. If you are starting out and you are dialing in your dosage, maybe more costly, but probably better to buy smaller increments. That way you can play around. If you can jump up and down 25 to 50 milligrams, that certainly helps. These are very minuscule amounts. If you're making your own microdoses, you're going to have a margin of error here. I will say this is very anecdotal, but a difference of probably 10 to 15 milligrams of biomass likely not going to make a huge difference. When By I 50 see, might. But 50 might. Yeah. You know, so it's, 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 Unless you had a very scientific scale that was, you know, 1500 bucks or something, just know there's going to be a little bit of a human margin of error, which is okay. We are talking about very, very small and low doses where you have very little risk of unwanted side effects if you vary across, you know, 15, 20, 30. Yeah. Or overdoing it, right? People talk about like, well, I don't want to overdo it. Like, I would be cautious of overdoing it when you start to get close to half a gram because like for me a half a gram turns into a museum dose real fast yeah so like like once you start to approach a half a gram that's when you need to be cognizant of that threshold that tipping point i'd say the war the the when the when the engine lights come on for me or the warning signals is probably past 300 milligrams i say that's fair pay attention to whether I'm eliciting an active psychedelic event or not. Um, right. Okay, so here's what I want to want to provide context with around what you were saying, because I know we want to talk about protocol a little bit, and we're having this dialogue about 
experimenting and guessing and verifying, you know, trying to get people to their sweet spot dose, their ideal dosage. Your ideal dosage depends on your intentions and your goals. So let me give some examples. If you are wanting, let's say, let's say life is going really well for you, spiritual games unlock, you're working through all of your personal growth stuff, and you're like, I want to use microdosing to increase my activity and participation in work, let's say work performance. At 100 milligrams, you might find that you don't feel any effect. At 150 milligrams, you might feel like you are in the flow, in the zone, has this balance of energy, but clarity, focus. But And you might think, okay, well, I'm going to do more. Well, at 200 milligrams, you actually might feel overstimulated. Or, yeah, or, or the skeletons start coming out of the closet and you're trying to work. Right. You're trying to figure out a spreadsheet and you're thinking about that trauma that happened to you, you know, three years ago. And so... It's really important for you to be clear. This is also energetic to the sacred work of engaging with psilocybin anyways. Like the clearer you are in communicating to the mushroom, like what the whole reason why you're engaging with mushrooms, the the more likely you're going to be moving towards that intention. And so set intentions. In this case with microdosing, it can probably be like goals. So you can maybe loosely use that word. And then the parameters on how you define the success of that. So this is also really important. Are you seeking a emotional state? Are you seeking more processing of your life and trauma? Are you seeking mood stabilization? Are you seeking being more present and in in the flow of, of your day? Like, you call it like you choose your own adventure but if you're taking the parameter of creativity <laughs> and trying to measure that with how much stuff you get done in a day you're not going to get get the right data or the right well data. part of what i hear part of what i hear you saying which i agree with is that my ideal dose for quote unquote productivity might be 100 milligrams but my ideal dose to get access to something that i've been working through that i feel like i've had a hard time accessing right. might be 200 milligrams right and that might be different than you microdosing and communing with nature that right. might be different than you microdosing and having a lot of family and work responsibilities for the day and so when we talk about how to find your sweet spot dosage, it's it's contextual on person specific, situation specific, exactly. attention specific. It is going to be tailored to what you're working through. Yeah. The one thing I want to preface to folks before we talk a little bit about protocols, which would be like on off days, morning, evening, single dosage, multiple doses throughout the day things like that. It's really important for folks to document. Yeah. So this it takes on a little a little bit of a different form than journaling. It's also important to journal, but when I say document is what I mean by that is what are the baseline parameters in which you are measuring this. And so a couple of things. I think about the baseline mood that you have 
emotional state before microdosing. Basic information like time of ingestion, dosage, you know, things like that. Strain, preparation method, was it combined with anything else? Did you take it with food or not with food? Basically like a snapshot mm-hmm. of what happened. Yeah. Right. Before, during, and after. Right. So you want to get the the pre-dose, that's your baseline. The during may help to describe any felt or perceived effects. You know, that there's the term around there called sub-perceptual, which can be confusing for folks because they might be like, well, if I'm microdosing and I'm not feeling anything, is it working or not? My kind of take on this is that you notice that there's some type of a change, but you might not be able to exactly put your finger on what that is. And that may also help you to, to determine if you're in this like sweet spot dosage or not. And then also, you know, compare that to your intentions and goals. So if your intention is to work through a personal growth thing, maybe you rate yourself on how accessible you were to those memories or feelings or how open or easy it was to retrieve some of that stuff or, you know, very clear examples if you're thinking about work productivity or clarity of focus, you know, things like that. Um, and, th- and then they also one last thing. Let me ask one last, last thing. This is what I forgot. You want to trend this data over time because if you are taking singular snapshots in a day, you're not going to notice the incremental changes over time. But if you were taking data, let's say you had 30 days of microdosing and you had, uh, you know, 30 data points, you can then look back and trend and be like, oh, this was working for me here. I was feeling more of this effect here, but then now 30 days I look back, oh, there is some type of a change. Let me adjust and let me tweak and let me uh, make some changes to to my protocol. Thanks for let me jump in there. I know you wanted to say something. Well, no, it's we're on the same page. I mean, I was just going to share that they do make specific microdosing journals that are that are formatted and set up to track exactly what you're talking about. I don't recall the company offhand, but I've seen them out there. I know they exist. And so for those who would feel like a bit more structure would be helpful, you can go check that out. Yeah, there was one that I got that was actually oriented around ketamine, but then we kind of reformatted it for before microdosing but there's a lot of content out there i'm sure you can download a, a template or really just create your own because yeah, this exactly. also may be a space for you to write down your own personal thoughts maybe microdosing brings up something for you you just want to jot that note down for you know future future discovery so yeah so okay so let's say that you found your ideal dose or perhaps let's say your dosage range depending on intention the next question is like how often do I take it? When do I take it? Do I take it with food or not? Like all the questions about how to actually do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the answer is it depends. And let's talk through that for a little bit. I have had folks report back to me that when they microdose for the first hour or two, they actually get really tired and sleepy. A little unorthodox, but I can see that. I know people that take it at night before bed for that reason. Right. There are also other folks who feel like a surge of energy with it as well. Um, And that might mean that you're more conducive to, you know, the morning or after your morning routine, or you time it 
to when you need the most focus and productivity in your workday. Let's say you just have a schedule where the mornings you're the most busy or the afternoons, evenings, well, what have you. So it also depends on your life cadence a little bit. And the other thought around this is keep in mind that the perceived or the felt effects do also typically run into the length of time of like a large dose experience. I say the bulk of what you perceive is in that four to six hours. And then you do have a little bit of an afterglow effect, although very, very subtle. Yeah. Peak effects for me are typically about two hours after ingestion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then can probably persist up to four, five-ish hours after that. Yeah. So you're talking Um, about a six, seven hour runtime. Basically. Yeah, I mean, for like for me, I take it in the morning on an empty stomach, and I pretty much feel it until the end of my you know work day, early evening, kind of is my is my timeline. Yeah, I've had a few clients experiment with multiple dosings through the like day, throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. So they'll start with, especially for highly sensitive folks, they'll start at maybe a hundred, and then they'll maybe supplement with fifty milligrams in the afternoon or or something like that. But just keep in mind, these are serotonergic psychedelics. And so it will impact your sleep cycles and your your waking cycles and all of that. So this is one where you got to play around a little bit. I, yeah, I would say in general, we what I have found is most clients that I've worked with have benefited from taking it in the morning. The folks that get really sleepy tend to take it in the evening. And whether it's taken with food food or not is also dependent. But here's my big caveat with food is it greatly extends the absorption period. So if you take a microdose with a meal, you might bet budget two to three hours for those effects to take hold before you actually feel them. Whereas if I take it on an empty stomach with like my tea in the morning or whatever, within about 45 minutes, I can tell that that I took a dose. Like I said, peak effects may still be another 45 hour out, but absorption time is significantly You're like, quicker. something's working here. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of follow the same timeline. I, I prefer an empty stomach and I typically wait 45 minutes before eating anything else. All right. What do you think about on and off days? I, I have some thoughts here, but you know, there's a lot of philosophy, opin- opinions is really what it is. Um, Describe on-off days, describe why we need it, and love to hear hear your thoughts on it. All right. So at high level, the bottom line is none of us want to be dependent on any kind of medication to feel the way that we want to feel, even if it's natural, even if it's psilocybin, even if it's really small doses. So the idea Preach. is that we have certain days where we take our supplement and or our dose and certain days where we don't. And the idea there is that we are giving our body an opportunity to recalibrate, rebalance, and reset tolerance. And so there's two protocols that are widely accepted to be the, the kind of most predominant, most widely studied. One is the James Fadiman protocol. The other is the Paul Stamets protocol. And there is not a right or wrong here. The Fadiman protocol essentially states that you, you dose on one day, take two days off and then dose again. And you just repeat that cycle. Okay. That one's nice because it resets your tolerance. It's enough time for your tolerance to be reset in between doses. The downside there for me is that you don't get as many dosing days in the same chunk of time. Mm -hmm. Paul Stamets protocol um, alternatively is anywhere from four to five 
days consecutively of dosing and then two to three days off. And those are your reset days. And the nice part here is that you get more consistent interaction with the microdose. The downside is that when you get into the later consecutive days, the dose may not be quite as perceptual because of the tolerance. That's been my takeaway. You build this tolerance naturally and in in real time, especially any of our listeners who have been in, let's say, multi-day large dose retreat formats or you know, have taken an initial dose and ceremony and taken a follow-up dose where the effects start to diminish over time based on this tolerance, which is part physiology and then part, I mean, like how much serotonin you have and how much glucose you have in your blood and that type of stuff. I also hear other things based on the Stamets protocol. Some folks do like the work days, Monday through Friday, then they take Saturday, Sunday off. Some folks do every other day. I've also heard folks who will microdose for a month straight and then take a week off. That's, I think, a little bit further out there as far as maybe that works for a specific set of people. My rule of of thumb is for any seven-day period... There should be two days off. Two days off. Yeah. And 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 that that I like that freedom because this is an intuitive process. Like the problem for me about the protocols is that they can become very rigid. So right. you might you might start with the Stamets protocol and then you get three days in and you're like, I need an off day. But the protocol says you're supposed to dose that day. So what do you do? Well, mm-hmm. I always err on the side of listening to my body. Because it's not going to ruin your progress. You're just yeah. learning how to work with the medicine. It's a calibration. You can start and stop this microdosing process at any time. With very, very minimal uh, uh, unwanted side effects. And so yeah. here's my advice. The protocol, the best protocol is the one that you can stick to. Yeah. The one that you can remember. So if you're doing mental gymnastics on how many days that I have off and this day and then this, this and that, like you're, you're, you're already at a disadvantage. So that's how some people really just lean into every other day. And then you can adjust from there. This is also important depending on your goals. Like if you were, let's say Monday through Friday, but you're wanting to increase creativity and your creative days are on Saturday and Sunday, then that's just not going to work. And so just be a little cognizant of what your goals are, what's going on in your life. But I hope that this discussion has given enough, you know, context. And if we missed something, send us an email at support at psychedelicpassage.com and we will address it. Yeah. So I feel like this was a good conversation for folks to get some tangible notes, how to's on microdosing. Again, we'll link into the show description, how to access that microdosing guide. Send a link to Qtests as well. One those were yeah. One thing that I, I hear a lot is like, I don't want to mess this up. And I want to empower anyone that's listening and exploring this, that you can't really mess it up. As long as you are tracking and monitoring what's happening and then adjusting accordingly, you're going to be fine. Like this isn't about nailing it and getting perfection right out of the gate. It's actually a process of learning how your body interacts with this medicine and then finding a way of engaging with it that suits you. Yeah. I had a client who had been doing 100 milligrams for four days a week for months. 
And they were like, I just don't know if this is working or not. And then after a conversation, I'm like, look, you can play around with your dosage with very little concern. He just emailed me back last week. He was like, I'm at 200 and things are great. I'm getting so much done. I'm so clear. I'm writing my book. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. And so so awesome. the idea there is that 100 milligram difference was the, th- was, was the threshold for him personally. Mm-hmm. And so don't be afraid to find your threshold because you'll know when you've overdone it and you'll yeah. know when you've overdone it. Uh, excuse me, underdone it versus overdone it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for our episode here. Thanks to all of our listeners and our community and all the input on the dialogue and topics that Nick and I choose to rant about every week. You can download episodes of the Psychedelic Passage podcast, looking for it across all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Really looking forward to seeing you all next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. I am excited to share a new offering that can be found on our website, psychedelicpassage.com, which is our digital store. We here at Psychedelic Passage are constantly thinking about ways to enrich the intentional psychedelic process for our community. And now with this digital store, you'll be able to find preparation guides, integration guides, and recorded workshops that are typically only available to our clients. We hope that this is an exciting offering and we look forward to adding more content over time. So check out the link in the episode description below or visit our website, psychedelicpassage.com. And we are very excited to expand our service offerings to the greater community.